You're listening to Established, a podcast at Chess Mountain Church. What is up, Established Podcast? It's your host, Kelsey, with Dr. Farm Bridger. And we are... <laughs> that was a good wow. one. It that just rolled off the tongue. The best part of this whole intro is that your voice squeaked. So I'm, no, I'm here why? for that. <laughs> and we're not even going to start over. You're welcome, podcast world. I feel like I should take the time to say it is still the same me a few <laughs> octaves lower today. I was at a conference for FCA over the weekend. Completely lost my voice. So this is a major improvement from where I started, but it's not cute nonetheless. So podcast listener, I hope you are nicer and kinder and more full of the Holy Spirit than BB is this morning. Wow. That you would be willing to give my voice wow. some grace. So. Kelsey is just so bitter because I have more energy than her today. So that is also fair. That's a rare occasion, but you can milk that a little bit today. More importantly, though, we have yeah, a guest. Absolutely. absolutely. More importantly, our friend Patricia Taylor is here with us Woo-woo! this morning. Give him a what's up, Patricia. What is up? And if I may, I would almost say that your voice almost sounds like a little more dignified. Oh, listen. There's wow. that deep richness to it. And so it will be. A great podcast. Hey, what an intro, Patricia. My goodness. I'm just here to keep you humble. (laughs) (laughs) Is that what we're calling it today? See, I like I liked what she did. Yeah, I know you better. did. That was I know you did. It was good. Is it that or bring donuts? And I forgot the donuts. And so flattery. Oh, is the which is probably better because the listeners would just heard me smacking over here on the donut. So. That would have been awful. Yeah, Eating into the microphone, not, not all of our idea. listeners, all mm. 12 of them. Mm-hmm. To our 12 listeners, you know what we think about week after week? You reach this point about halfway through podcasting and it's like, it would benefit me to chew a piece of gum. You know, you can just smell your own breath. You hear yourself talking for a long time. And every week we have to fight the thought of, chewing gum Mm. in your ear for the last 30 minutes of a podcast so i just want you to know we're really doing some sacrificial things on your behalf stinky breath all over the place just so you don't have to listen to bb smacking the mic for a long time yes and amen wow now i feel like i have bad breath so i mean you're drinking drinking a lot of coffee you're drinking coffee it's inevitable I'm a coffee drinker, and I got to be honest as well. I'm pretty sure mine no better. Yeah, maybe it's, yeah. hey, it's a way to keep people out of your face. <laughs> Six feet apart, baby. <laughs> we digress. Yeah, we, we should. We should. So <laughs> check out this transition. Watch out, podcast world. Oh, Here no. we are. Oh, there's just never a good transition. But last night. Oh, it did it again. Last night <clears throat> at Establish Week 9, we had a conversation for a little bit this morning trying to remember what week are we on. We are on Week 9. Week 9. Of, of Christian belief. Come on, brain. Catch up with me. Of Established, and we are talking about the doctrine of salvation, which is also referred to as... Soteriology. Thank you for saying that for me. So our main idea from this particular week is that God has sent his son, Jesus, to be the rescuer of his people, to pay the penalty of God's wrath against humanity. Through grace, by faith in Jesus' death, burial, resurrection, and ascension, we have been given new life in Christ. And this is not of our own work, but it is through Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And so the goal from this week is that we can explain and understand salvation with how it occurs— as well as the big words of regeneration, justification, sanctification, and glorification. So, here we are. Here we are. Just a simple topic. I know. Just, just some just light conversation light, right? for a Thursday morning. Real quick, easy to <laughs> explain. Not a lot of other branches that we could go off of. Mm. But here we are. Here we are. So you got to start with the question of like, what is salvation? And BB, you had defined it yesterday that in a broad sense, it's the rescuing of people from their sin and Mm -hmm. restoring them into 
right relationship with God. And one of the things that you had really sat with for a while that obviously burns up in you is that it's more than just salvation from hell, but it's salvation from sin. Mm. And how often do we miss that? Like that's the beginning of salvation for us is the understanding of why we need it and what we're being saved from. But this misconception is real. Like, I don't know about y'all, but have you grown up in places and environments where you felt like it was portrayed more that you were being saved from a place rather than your own destruction? For sure. That's, it's almost like a very easy, um, a sermon to give if you just it, like, it's like with parenting, if you do that, you're going to get a spanking. Don't do that. And you won't get the spanking. Yeah. And with salvation, it's, you know, a lot of times portrayed as, you know, you don't want to go to hell. You don't want to die and go to hell. Right. So here's salvation, you know, trust Jesus Christ and then amen, let's go home. Yeah. But it was like you said, it's also drawing us to God. We mm-hmm. get God yeah. and to know God. Yeah. And when it's not just being saved from death and hell, but oh my goodness, I also get the creator of the universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's good. That just, it balances. Because then what do you do when you've been saved from hell? What do you do the next morning? Mm-hmm. Like that, I get to know God. Okay, now I have. How do I get to know this yeah. God? How it's do good. I? Yeah, and I think that's the important thing of understanding that salvation is so much more than you've just been saved from hell. Right. It's not just a get out of uh, hell free card. Like you are, um, hell is hell is the absence of God. But like we just make it about you don't want to experience torment. We right, and like yeah. and so we create these like the the problem too with those sermons is they become behavior modification. Mm-hmm. Don't be like this, or you'll go to hell. And it's like, no, no, no. Like, what if it's what if the beauty of the gospel is God has restored you back to Him? Right. right. The benefit of that is you don't have to. You you will never spend eternity separated from Him. Yeah. Right. So it's, it's not the it's not the message of what Jesus came to to preach. Mm-hmm. Jesus came to preach that the kingdom of God is at hand. That the kingdom of God, the presence of God, the inhabitants of God has been made made available. Yeah. And so when we make it out about, um, you don't want to go to this awful place. One, it's a scare tactic, and scare tactics don't right. last. Right. You're bringing up parenting. Like how often, if you were, if you threaten your kids just with discipline and yeah. not as like, not understanding that why they're doing it, then that quickly like goes out the window, right? Um, kids quickly forget why they sh- why it would be important not to do this. That's right. And the reality is that's the same true with the Christian life. <clears throat> if if it's just about not wanting to end up in a place, then one we miss out on who the glory of who Jesus is. And so that quote from A. W. Pink that we discussed last night, Kelsey, you want to read that or you want me to? You go for it. So A.W. Pink, Arthur W. Pink, uh, said the nature of Christ's salvation is woefully misrepresented by present-day evangelists. He announces a Savior from hell rather than a Savior from sin. And that is why so many are fatally deceived. For there are multitudes who wish to escape the lake of fire, who have no desire to be delivered from their carnality and the worldliness. Sheesh. And that's the reality. It's like, the gospel, the good news that Jesus has come to make salvation available is that he's come to take the penalty of our sin yeah. and to release us from the power of sin that we could have a right relationship with him, right. which is way better than just not having to spend an eternity separated from him. Right. Like, yes, that is true that we don't have to spend an eternity separated from him. The beauty is that we are restored to relationship now. Mm-hmm. And... um and I think if we're not careful, like, um, we we will even, like, maybe we don't say that, we're not preaching that kind of, but we'll live that way. Like, yeah. you don't want to go to hell, do you? Mm-hmm. It's like, what what if it's not that? What if it's, don't you want to be in relationship with God? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Like, the loving, merciful God of the universe has made a way that you can know him. Don't you want to know him now? Mm. 
and then it doesn't have to be like you don't want to go to hell do you yeah and like because i've i mean the amount of uh like evangelists that i've sat through and stuff like that i'm mm-hmm. like are you are you scared like trying to scare me mm-hmm. yeah it is terrifying but the gospel is not just terrifying it's good news right so but then how does that also in those same when you've been saved and you're sitting under that same message, which mm. you know, it, it again, there the horror of hell is the absence of God and yeah. torment. And it's not yeah. to be downplayed, right. but the gospel still is for the believer who's already believed because it is continuing to go toward this this God did this for me. Yeah. And that letting that wash over you and yeah. break you mm-hmm. as a believer already and never getting over that awe yeah. of what has been done. And so when it's only focused on saving you from, okay, I'm a believer, I've, I'm, I'm saved from hell. Mm-hmm. That's cool. But now, so when you introduce that whole, yes, and here's the God who did it mm-hmm. and peel back the onion layers of, Mm-hmm. You know, regeneration, justification, sanctification, and all of those things. Yeah. It helps you fall in love That's right. That's good. every day when you think about right. that whole process. Yeah. And part of this approach that I think is kind of twisted with we we proclaim like you're being saved from hell, saved from hell. There's truth in that, but it is not the whole truth. It's not the final truth. What's the loss for you? If hell is absence of God, but you don't actually know God, then do you even understand the weight of what you've been saved from? So this approach is so dangerous anyways, because if I don't know God, Mm -hmm. if I don't know him personally, know his character, know that he's good, know that he's loving, if I don't understand the weight of those things, then what's really the big deal of being separated from God for all of my eternity? Have I really lost anything? Exactly. Right? And... And we know because of Jesus and because we have a relationship here in the room, we understand the weight of hell and why it's such a big deal. But if that's all that it is and you don't actually know the God that you're missing out on in the midst of it, this is a horrible approach. And we've missed the mark tremendously. Absolutely. Hmm. Absolutely. And I love the, the song that you have sung twice in church there's the line in there, and every time I can't even sing it. There's a God who weeps, and there's a God who bleeds. Like, mm-hmm. boom, mm-hmm. that man, that God became man, yeah. and he bled. Like that whole salvation should still wreck the saved. Yeah, for sure, it should still wreck the saved. And so that getting what it is diving into this doctrine to figure it out and and get the scriptures and let it wash over you mm-hmm. is just i mean front and center yeah it's our ground zero yep. i mean to be a believer is the most important you know paul said this is the first the thing of first importance yeah and that is true but it should be our everyday first importance that's good that's good and the way that it's accomplished I love this quote from John Stott that BB shared with us last night. The possibility of substitution rests on the identity of the substitute. And so the accomplishment of salvation is divine satisfaction through divine substitution. Mm-hmm. And what it should tell us as the believer is I cannot do for myself what Jesus Christ has done for me. Yeah, My identity falls short. And so if we try to put anything or anybody else in place, it is not a salvation substitute. It cannot save me. Mm-hmm. And as we were talking about this last night, and we got into it a little bit during table discussion, just reflecting on our own salvation, Like I think about through my walk with Christ, not even just when I was lost, but I came to know Jesus when I was seven years old. So I don't remember a lot of my lost life, right? But even walking the last however many years it's been now, almost 20 years, that's crazy. How I have consistently, even though I've been saved from it, have tried to put other things and other people in the place Mm. of the substitution of Jesus Christ. Yes. 
like I thought something else was satisfactory. Like I thought something or someone else could fulfill what only Jesus has fulfilled and has accomplished already. Mm. But that reflection, like I'm sure for y'all too, like you can look back at your story and even to present day and think like how many times, how many times did I think that there was something or someone better than Jesus or that could compare to what he had already done for me. Mm. But he is the only, the only satisfactory substitute. Yeah. The only. And I think a lot of times if we're not careful, we might not ever say that there's another substitute, but we practically live it out. And um, like, I, I think how often the temptation to fall into like, um, God would love me if I do blank. Right. Like if I, God would love me more if I read my Bible. God would love me more if I give. God would love me more if I serve more or <clears throat> whatever that is. You can fill in the blank that we're like in this, like trying to earn the love of God. But then to go, man, like Jesus was the perfect substitute in the only substitute that was possible on our behalf because he was God. Right. The only one that could fully pay the wrath of God and it'd be final would be God himself. And so um, that's why like leading up to this, that we've done this like systematic study of, uh, of God and, and doctrine in that way. We wanted to go, this is who God is. This is who Christ is. This is why it matters before we get even to the understanding of like how salvation is possible because we need to have a a basic understanding of who God is for this, for the believer, for this really to be rooted. Not to say that you have to have that understanding before salvation takes place because that's not how that works, but to, it helps us see why it had to be Jesus. Right. And why when we see the cross and we see the need for the cross, when we see what Christ did even what Christ is asking of God in the garden, like let this cup pass for me, like the cup of wrath that was poured out on Jesus. Like you see the humanity in Christ in that moment, but like that Christ knew what was coming, that the full brunt of God's of sin would be placed on Jesus and the wrath of God would be poured out on him Mm -hmm. for us, for sin. And, and so it's this idea of like, he satisfies the wrath of God because he is a perfect substitute. Right. And I think it's good to know too that like, I loved what you were talking about earlier, Patricia, this idea of like, it is not just a one-time moment that you think about. Like yeah. uh, 1 Corinthians 15, one talks about like this gospel that you've been saved and you're being saved. Right. Like, so salvation isn't a one-time moment and you're going like, we're, we're being transformed. Yeah. And so, um, but but it's that clear understanding of this had to be there had to be a substitute because if there's not a substitute then you then you continue to be an object of wrath right and you will you will absorb that wrath we're going through first john in the first and second third john but in first john going through that bible study in the women's cmc women's and there's that word that I had never really had defined before the propitiation. Mm, and when that was broke, it is fun to say propitiation. And <laughs> when it was broken down and it was, it had to be, the wrath had to be poured out. God yep. is just yep. that sin. He said it and it's not going to return void. What he said has to be then. Mm. So with that sin, the price has to be paid and thinking about, all of the other religions out there were like, where is the line? Where is the line? Where is good enough? Where isn't good enough? I cross my fingers and, and, and hope. In ours, we're, we're not good enough. There's just a black and white line. That's right. Yeah. You know, That's it, right. We're just not. And that was the point. And so the wrath had to be poured out. It wasn't God forgive. You touched on this last night. It wasn't just God forgive and poof. Mm-hmm. The sins are gone. No. They had to be paid for. Mm -hmm. They had to be atoned for. And so Jesus in his divinity was the only substitution that was able to handle that. And the 
billions upon, I mean, if you let your brain spiral into there, the (laughs) almost infinite number of sins there are out there. He had to take past, present, future, and the mind-blowing part that he didn't just die for the sins of those who were going to come to faith. He died for everybody and all the sins of the world, even, you know. So the weight, that crushing weight, what other substitute could there have been that would have been able to be enough? Because the reality is when you <clears throat> when you study like uh, the Old Testament and the Day of Atonement, these uh, these blood sacrifices that were made were never complete. Right. They were they Day of Atonement was coming the next year, and so because it wasn't a f- it wasn't it wasn't final. But Christ, that's why like it's so important to understand the words of Jesus on the cross, like that he cries out, "It is finished." And David Platt talks about like that he drank the f- full cup, turned it over, and not a drop poured out because he had taken the full wrath of God. And just to, the word, it is finished. The Greek word is one word, and yeah. it's in accounting. It is paid in full. It isn't just oh, I'm the process yeah. is done. It is paid in yeah. full, done. That's good. I didn't mean to get you off no, topic. Listen, I, just, I love it. I'm, I'm like, the podcast world can't see it, but I'm grinning because I'm like, yeah, you went into the Greek. Like Let's when go. that, when that was just it. Yeah, is paid in full, paid not in just full. the process is finished. It wasn't just okay, God, I'm done. It's paid for. Yeah. That three hours of darkness where they were separated, yeah. and that torment that Jesus went through on the cross, and God poured out that like that whole. I mean, and if you get a chance to dive into that, it's it's tough to read sometimes and to to listen to Bible studies and whatnot and go through the crucifixion. Like we kind of like yeah. gives us the squirmies because it's it's brutal, yeah. it's gruesome. But at the same time, my sin when I'm impatient in traffic yeah. and when I snap at my that nailed him to the cross yeah. and he did it willingly mm. and he did it mm. with finality. It is paid, Patricia, yeah. it is paid for. It's good. When I leave here and I, whatever it is that I'm going to do, <laughs> Patricia, it is paid for. It's good. It's done. And that's, that's the beauty of it is like, as a believer, like that has to, like, there has to be a moment where it's like an exhale, like, it's not on me. Yeah. Like it, it my approval of God isn't based on something I've done. Like Christ said that I paid it in full on the cross that, uh, and to go like to know that in Romans five, like that he tells us that even while we were still sinners, Mm -hmm. Christ died. So it wasn't a get cleaned up and then I'll pay for your sins. It was, I paid them in full. Now you, now I give you faith to believe. Mm -hmm. And I do love that. Like, it's that reminder of, that he has placed it on the cross. Um, I was trying to find the verse I wanted to read. Uh, y'all talk while I look for this. <laughs> well, it was making me think of um, in Acts 3 and 4, whenever Peter is coming before these large groups, like when he's coming before Solomon's portico and he's coming before councils. And as he's preaching and proclaiming the gospel to massive groups of people, he continues to say over and over the cross that you nailed him to and your ignorance did this and your disobedience did this. And he never once gives them a second to, to sit back and point the finger, mm-hmm. which we know is so much more significant because we also know what didn't very long ago happen in Peter's life where he himself walked with Jesus, denies Jesus goes back to what he knows because he's living in his shame. But this man who has been delivered and redeemed and is filled with the Holy Spirit himself can then stand before people and proclaim even over his own shame and his own regret, but to tell people to this message of your sin, Mm -hmm. your sin did this, my sin did this, you know, it's, it's inescapable in the sense that, We have to take some ownership. There's got to be accountability when it comes to salvation, right? I can't just sit and say like, well, I'm doing a pretty good job. Patricia's sin nailed Jesus to the cross and I'm a better person than Patricia. So I'm just going to accept it and be grateful. Like part of salvation too is 
like John the Baptist proclaims his entire ministry, it's repent and be baptized. Like it, it takes the turning away from sin first, which also starts with the acknowledgement of my role in this. Right. Which is why we needed the propitiation is why we needed the perfect, the final atonement for sin because we are so full of sin, so full of sin. And we dance around it. We dance around it. We want to minimize it. But if we minimize our sin, we're also minimizing the cross of Jesus Christ. You can't have both. No, you can't have one without the other. Like it, it has to be an acknowledgement of my sin put him there. But praise be to God. Praise be to God that his son was the appeasement of his own wrath so that I didn't have to be. Yeah. Because I was going to fall short. Yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I love this in, second, uh, or in Colossians 2, 13. It says, And you were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of the flesh. God made alive together with him having forgiven us all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in him. And this is the beauty of the gospel. It's like, um, he has set our, the, I love that even idea too, like as we maybe transition into this, like he set the legal, like, the legal demands that our sin has made between us and God is that judgment has to take place. Right. Like he is just righteous, holy God. And because those are true, he can't act out of his character. So payment has to be made. There has to be consequence. There has to be uh, a verdict against sin. Jesus, Paul tells us that Jesus set that aside because he, he crushed it on the cross. He nailed it to the cross the beauty even of that the idea, that verdict of our guiltiness and the sin was nailed to the cross, and there it stayed. It did not go to the grave with him. It, it was uh, it was final. And so, um, and the beauty too, and like, I love you were talking about studying the what happened at the crucifixion. At the, like Jesus says, it is finished in the veil tears, mm-hmm. signifying our access to the right. Father and and that's the beauty of the gospel. It's not that right. you, it wasn't Jesus made the it is finished. You don't have to go to hell. It's right. it is finished. You have access to right. to God. Mm. As a result of that, hell is not in your future. It's the presence of God. You don't have to be the high priest who's terrified that if you come into the presence of God with sin, that you might be struck dead. It's yep. I have made a way that you can come into my presence because I've absorbed your sin. And uh, which I think is the greatest news ever. Right, right. And and the effects of the cross mm-hmm. are are tremendous for us. And I love this list that we kind of walked through last night. And you know, it's hard to read this list in a casual way. Um, <laughs> and I'm gonna do that for the sake of <laughs> of time. But because. Because of Jesus, because of the satisfactory substitute on the cross, those who were once dead are now alive in Christ. Those who are under God's wrath now experience his blessing. Those once separate from God now see his face. And those once slave to sin are now slave to righteousness. Mm. We're restored. We're restored to relationship with the Father, which, I mean, it's, it's where we started this conversation today like it's not just what i've been saved from but who i'm being saved to yeah it's good it matters it's significant and i love this quote um that we shared yesterday from watchman knee can't get over that name. watch out <laughs> if you're that looking was, for that someone was terrible. to name your kids <laughs> Oh, I didn't even realize oh, what I did. That felt so intentional. I couldn't uh, it even wasn't. laugh. That's, that's the funny part about that. It was absolutely unintentional. But if you're looking for a new name, Watchman. Hmm. That's a terrifying name for a child. I think it's great. Mm. I'm done having kids, but if I wasn't. <laughs> Lauren, that's what we would name our fourth child. <laughs> Lauren, if you're listening. Please be careful because God has a sense of humor, y'all. <laughs> oh, shoot. 
So Watchmen. She's going to sit in quiet over here now. I love it. I love it. But this quote, um, he says, if I would appreciate the blood of Christ, I must accept God's valuation of it. For the blood is not primarily for me, but for God. Mm -hmm. Which immediately tells me we have a grave misunderstanding of the why. Yeah. And if we don't understand the why, we've missed all of it. Yep. Because in the same way, and it's easy to buy into this conversation of we've just been safe from hell, just been safe from hell. It is equally deceivingly easy to fall into this category of salvation is all about me for me. It was all with me in mind. Right. And we forget so often, like we've talked about, especially in weeks like the attributes of God and walking through like creation and providence, like everything that God has done, though it is for our good, is for his own glory. Yes. He is about his own glory more than anything else. And so salvation, though it is deeply, deeply for my good, is for his own glory, his own satisfaction, his own wrath to be appeased. And it's not nearly as much about me as it is about himself. Mm-hmm. And even in that, you said last night, the satisfaction comes from God pouring out the wrath on himself for the payment. And so going through the doctrines of, you know, God's attributes and Christ's attributes and the Trinity and who they are, Christ was fully man, but he was fully God. He is God. Mm -hmm. And God sent his son, but it's also himself. When you get into that, God poured out his wrath on himself. So he did it all through himself, by himself. I mean, he's the only one that can get the glory for it. He's the only one that can. And even those that he elects, he's in control there we'll go down that rabbit hole but (laughs) he it's him it is it's all about him and he's blessed us and loves us enough to bring us along and if we just have the i'm saved from hell it's kind of we turn flipping we just kind of get complacent and well i'm saved yeah and i'm done and we miss the storyline of scripture too Hmm. that the original design was that we would be with God. And so from the moment of the fall, God has been working towards recovering his original design. And so, uh, and it, and it was all a part of his plan. It was always in his, he's always known. And so from the covenants to Abraham to Noah or Noah, Abraham and Moses and David and the new covenant we see in Jeremiah, like, have all been working towards this moment in time when the fullness of time was complete, that Christ would come and pay, uh, that the Father would pour out. Isaiah 53, like, just to to look at that, we didn't do that last night, but what a beautiful passage this is to encompass what the gospel is, that it pleased the Father to crush the Son, which is like, when you just take that at face value, but you understand that it pleases yeah. his wrath right. towards sin. Right. And the son must be crushed. But we mm. worship a victorious king that Jesus didn't remain crushed. Yeah. Amen. And so, um, but it's so important to understand that it was first and foremost, what Christ did on the cross was for the satisfaction of the father. Um, was that he would be satisfied. It is not... So like uh, the tension of like saying uh, on the cross, Jesus had you on my, in the, on his mind, <laughs> which is a common saying. Right? Mm-hmm. And I get mm-hmm. the, like I get, I get what's trying to be said. Right. But the reality is he had the father on his mind. Right. To make, to make Jesus on the cross solely thinking about my sin one, it's because we live in an individualistic culture where mm. everything's about me as the individual. Right. It's self-centered, all this. It's like, no, no, no. The f- Jesus had his father on his mind. 
And that's why he's not he's not crying out about Brandon Bridge Farmer on the cross. He's crying about the father and the the fractured moment of that. And so, um, yeah. But I love that quote though from our Chinese brother Watchman Nee, like that. It is not primarily for me. Yeah, it is for God. I am the benefactor of that, but, mm-hmm. um, and I, I just think when we, when we settle into that moment, like it helps reorient who we are. Right. So no longer is my, no longer is like my faith just individualistic. It's about mm-hmm. my relationship with the father. Yep. So I'm no longer just trying to be saved from something. I'm being, as you said, Kelsey, like I'm being saved to something. I'm yeah. being saved back to a relationship that I was always designed to be in. And at the core of week after week after week, we talk all the time about the tension, Mm -hmm. right? The tension that we should feel in these topics. I find continually that the tension and wrestling in my own flesh with my soul is this tension of, I want this to be more about me than it really is. Yeah. Right. Of I'm having to continuously die to myself and die to the belief that I'm a bigger deal in this than I really am, <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. right? Like, but but that pride in us that wells up, and I think it doesn't always come from a wrong prideful place. I think there's a piece of us that just desires to connect yeah. to the story, yeah. and we desire to connect to Jesus. That's why we're so much more about Jesus than we are about God and the Holy Spirit. He's easier to relate to easier the father to and the Holy Spirit. Excuse just me. Working on Excuse me. Sorry. 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 <laughs> Been working on right theology and language. I should have known better, but, but, but we're so quick to yeah, yeah. only talk about Jesus because he, he's easier to relate to, but then it's still, still in that I am missing the glory of the father and creator who sent his son and I'm missing mm-hmm. the gift of the Holy Spirit that he is better. <laughs> he was better for me that he would come than that Jesus would stay. And, and it's because we want, we want it to be about us. Yep. We want to connect to the story. We want to relate to the story. But in that I'm putting myself on a pedestal I'm never meant to be on. Like it should lower me like week after week when we leave this podcast talking about getting low and moving slow. Like I have to, I have to allow this to humble me and to put my face back in the dirt, like right at the foot of the cross. It, this cannot elevate me in any way with, if I really, really, really understand the magnitude right. of the glory of all three persons and what they have accomplished and that I get to be invited into relationship and I get to tell this story for all of my life. Mm-hmm. How on earth could I possibly get it twisted that that I'm important in the story? You know, but we we want to make it we want to make it about us. Mm-hmm. And it's not out of a bad place always. Well, and I think the, I don't know if it would be the irony or the beauty of that is, is when, because in today's day and age, when we're like, it's not about me, it's not about, like, well, this is depressing. Like, I thought it was about me getting saved. And when we look to Jesus's example, it was to please the Father. Yeah. It was to please the Father. And he is supposed to be our example. We are to try to be more like Christ. That is our goal as a Christian. And when you look at that and you go through all of these getting to know, the moment of salvation, all you got to know is that Jesus paid it. For by grace we're saved by faith through him. If we confess that with him, done. All the other stuff is the process mm-hmm. afterward. And when we the importance of getting in the word and getting in studies is last semester or the semester before Jen Wilkins book, women Mm -hmm. of the word Mm -hmm. grown up in church my whole life. And that one phrase, and I I, going back and listening to the old podcasts, you and Jared were blown away that there was a woman in the round table discussion that had the same thought. 
the Bible is not about me. Yeah. It is about God pointing to God, what he, everything. Mm-hmm. And when, ex- the weird part is that it, we're taught, do you want to have a good marriage? Here's the manual. Do you want to raise good kids? Here's the manual. Do you want to be a good Christian? Here's mm-hmm. the manual. And so we are taught the Bible is, a, is how we do this. This mm-hmm. is about me and what I should do, what I shouldn't do, yada, yada. When you, that one tiny little twist, it is about God putting ourselves to the side. The irony and the beauty is, is how much more precious we become. We realize that we are to God when we read this with God as the center focal point and Jesus as the center focal point Mm -hmm. and realizing everything that way. It isn't about us, but it also shines a light on what am I? What am I? And the God of the universe loves. I had done a Roman study and my note was God using absolutely nothing created galaxies, sunsets, beauty, flowers, butterflies. And why? He has heaven. He doesn't need these things. He doesn't need the galaxies and all that. Why did he create the earth? He created it for us to be in communion with him and to glorify him. He created these things to glorify, but he gave us this world. He gave us his creations. He didn't just set us in this weird, mediocre place. Mm. He, I mean, talk about showing off. Yeah. He created all of this from nothing from his own and he allows us to be here so mm-hmm. when we it, it sounds backward but putting god as the focus and jesus as the focus taking it off of us and just coming to terms with that creator and that god did all that knowing full well what we were going to do yeah. and what he was going to have to do to bring us back but it all brings him glory and we get to have that relation, that free will, free will love. We are loving him of our own volition when we study this and we look at him and how beautiful and how great and gracious he is. Then we just, our response is just, wow, and worship. Mm. And he's like, that's yeah. giving him that's glory. The beauty of like, it isn't a book about us, but he's invited us into the story. Yes. And, um, and that's good news. One, because if if it's about us, uh, that's a dep- it's a depressing thing because we're jacked up people. And it's exhausting. It's exhausting. It is exhausting because well, we can't live it's up. It's moralistic deism, ultimately. Like God just wants us to be to behave a certain way, and and it puts us at the center. Of, when we put ourselves at the center of the story, then all of the ability of how Scripture teaches us salvation takes place is not possible. Right. So. Uh, for the sake of time, I don't think we have time to really dive into those four words, right. big words that you talked about, but like regeneration, justification, sanctification, glorification are just like the scratch of the surface because we we're not even talking about adoption. We're not even talking about mm-hmm. union with Christ. We're not even talking about all these other doctrines under the doctrine of salvation, but there's only one of those that we're really playing a role in. Regeneration is God giving us a new life. Yeah. It's, John three, the new like you must be born again, uh, and th- that Christ has said that that He does this. Justification is the legal standing of what we talked about earlier. Like it, we weren't, we didn't come before the judge and and plead our case and ask for the pardon. He pardoned us. He mm-hmm. He paid it in full on the cross. Uh, that there was no more penalty for the sins. Justification was His. Now sanctification is where we come into it. Where right. where ultimately like the, the confusion and the the mystery of the gospel and the mystery of salvation of God's sovereignty and man's responsibility and how those line up really plays out in the clearest way in this doctrine of sanctification to me. Right. That Christ empowers me by his holy spirit to walk in the in newness of life, but I, I'm called to pursue that holiness. And um, 
but then glorification, like I, I'm not at the, I'm not making myself in a new, new body at the end of this that in glory with him. Like he, he gives that gift to me. And so, um, but I think like, I think a lot of times as Christians, what's in the 21st century, what we spend a lot of time on is like, you've been born again. You've been justified. Mm. Go on. And we just forget the whole part of like, we are supposed to look more and more like him. Yeah. So if you were saved 10 years ago, you hopefully don't look like the same person you did 10 years ago. Hopefully you are becoming uh, and the beauty of being freed from the power of your sin. Yeah. That's the beauty of saying, like the beauty of what Christ has done is that he has taken you from a slave of sin to a slave of righteousness. You mm. now have the ability to walk in the freedom of righteousness yeah. that you do not, you are not enslaved to only being sinful. Mm. Though you sin, you're not enslaved by it. So you have the ability to not sin. Yeah. Uh, you will not be perfect in this life. Yeah. Listener, don't hear that. But you you have the freedom to the sins that so entangle you. They're they're not they don't have power over you. Right. They only have the power that you give them. Hmm. And I I think this is a huge heart piece of the heart behind why we do establish the way we do this theology and community. Because part of the sanctification process is I mean, it's working out your faith, right? So that there's a great need to do that in safe spaces right? and in community. <clears throat> right. I mean, yes, it's first me being obedient to the Holy Spirit and his leadings in my life, but there's a massive need for accountability. There's a massive need for discipleship in this too. And I love that established gives us an environment where we can do theology and community around round tables. And often this looks like parts of our sanctification process. Like it's the unlearning of, of bad theology, of yeah. incorrect yes. doctrine. Yes. Yeah. It is learning close-handed and forming open-handed opinions as we move forward of, you know, where do, where do I fall in, in these doctrines and these principles, but it's giving us a space where we can continue yeah. working out our salvation because while most of this ends up being through action, right? But it's like we talked about with women of the word, Patricia, you referred to Jen Wilkins book and we've talked about it throughout this series, but she talks about the importance of knowing scripture, not only with your heart, but also with your mind. Yeah. And so part of sanctification is sharpening our minds. If we don't have an understanding of the word, if we're not growing in knowledge, then how can we apply it in our lives to begin with? Mm. And if we're trying to look more like Jesus, how can I look more like Jesus if I don't know what he said? If I don't Mm -hmm. understand what he said correctly, Mm -hmm. not just how I take it out of context because that's the way I want to apply it. But like we've also said in this podcast today, the Bible's not, about me <laughs> newsflash right yeah that's as, oh, yeah. no sorry. go ahead and sorry as christians when we fall into that complacency and when we fall into that's where we could have read the bible in a year you know 10 times or mm-hmm. we do these studies but then as human beings we always find a way to deviate a bit that's where in our flesh we're going to and so the bible is always something new to come back to. Every time it's going to reveal something new and staying in it and continuing to grow and with other people, with other believers and and, and having the discussions. Oh yeah, I remember that revelation in my Christian walk five years ago, but I've I've forgotten or I, whatever. It's amazing the recalibration that you get when you just stay in it in the same story when you read it in a different part of your walk or with other people with a different lens, different, the Holy spirit will reveal new things and it's, it's never old. And it's so important with whatever doctrine that we're studying or talking about to know how to, to read the Bible correctly. Yes. Uh, So Eric Mason, I saw he had posted a video pastor in I think Pennsylvania, but he talked about like there's exegesis, which is like extracting what the text says. Uh, 
eisegesis, which is adding, which is wrong. It's bad. It's adding to the text. Mm-hmm. And then he introduced something I'd never heard, but like, I think it was narcissus. Which is that idea of like making it about me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's like, um, we just write ourselves into the mm-hmm. story so often. Yeah. And, and even if we do that, we do it usually like, if you could do that, we add it to the wrong place. Yeah. So it's the story of like, David always, and Goliath. David and Goliath, right? <laughs> David and Goliath is not a story about you conquering your giant. It's a story mm-hmm. of Jesus conquering your sin. Mm-hmm. So Jesus, the whole book of Hebrews is that Jesus is the greater than. Mm-hmm. He is greater than Moses. He's greater than David. He's greater than all the prophets and all the priests. Mm-hmm. He is the great high priest. So it's just going like, if we're not careful, we will write our salvation story to be centered on us. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And that's the wrong place to play. We are a part of the story. Mm-hmm. But it is the satisfaction of the Father so that we can have relationship with Him. Yeah. And um, and thanks be to God through yeah. Jesus Christ that we have this access. Mm. And it is not on us. It is not on our ability. It's not on our merit. Yeah. It is on Christ and Christ alone. Mm. And we that should, one, humble us. Yeah. And it should... Uh, it should drive us to our knees, but it should also raise our faces to the beauty of who God is. It is not a belittling thing. It is a mm. glorious thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and we just have to get out of this mindset of the, what our culture is teaching us is everything's about you. Yeah. And if it is, you got no hope. Right. Like you, you're out of luck. Yeah. And I'd like to kind of wrap up our time talking a little bit about some some practical things especially as we're talking about like sanctification since it's the only one of these four terms that we have any role in whatsoever uh, just wanting to talk about the importance the deep importance of discipleship yeah yes and there is a massive lack of discipleship i think mm-hmm. it intimidates us and so much of that's because we think it is more complicated or it's more about me than it really is. Like I can't go and disciple somebody because I don't know enough and mm-hmm. they're going to know that I don't know enough. Like we're so afraid of being exposed mm-hmm. that we use it as a cop out to not follow the great commission. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, yeah. it, what's being asked of us isn't as difficult as we believe that it is. And so listener, I hope that you don't feel like I'm just roasting your life. I would like to encourage you. Um, you, If you have received salvation, you've yeah. accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you are a disciple. But the good news is it doesn't stop there for you because you've also been called to make disciples, right. to be one and to make them. And so much of discipleship is just being willing to walk closely enough with somebody that they have access to watch you as you're also walking through sanctification Mm -hmm. and then opening the word and studying together, Mm -hmm. going knee to knee, being willing to pray with each other. It's a commitment of intentionality more than it's anything else. And sanctification without discipleship, I think it's really dangerous. Yeah, it's absolutely dangerous. I'm not sure you can have, uh, you can have trying to be better, but those are just our good deeds. Mm. The Great Commission, you said it, that is our, he commanded that. Mm. And so if we're to be walking, we should be. That's right. um, Preach the gospel and when necessary, use words. We're supposed Mm. to be living it to show other people. We're, We're discipling sometimes whether we know it or not. Yeah. yeah, and we're being discipled whether we know it or not. Right. And the reality is, like, we must always preach the gospel. Like, Romans makes it clear that you cannot, it, it is by hearing. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, they should see interactions, but it must be also proclaimed. Yeah. That's mm-hmm. the, the whole idea of the gospel is the heralding of the good news. Mm-hmm. And um, and so, like, it, I, got, I think back to what you're just saying, and I know we're wrapping, but, like, the, the compliment in the first century to a disciple was that 
they had the dust of their rabbi on them. Mm. And the reality of that idea was that it walked so closely with their disciple maker that they were covered in the dust of the rabbi. And so yeah. the the truth for every believer is this. They should be being discipled yep. and they should be making disciples. So you should have someone further along in the journey than you yep. are helping you along the way. And then you should be taking someone with you. Yeah. It, discipleship does not terminate on itself. Like That's it, right. it is a continual thing. So the, the model we see in scripture is disciples making disciples. Yeah. And so, which is hard because it means you've got to get into sanctification is a messy, messy, messy process, grind. but it is glorious because yeah. your sin is going to be put on display. But the reality is the beauty of justification is it's mm-hmm. been paid for. So there should not be shame. Romans 8, 1. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those that are in Christ That's Jesus. Right. We read it this morning in the men's breakfast, like in, uh, in, First John 3, for when my heart lies to me, God is greater. Yeah. Like the beauty of that, like when my heart condemns me, God is greater and he knows everything is that verse. And like, so be comforted. Yeah. Like one, anyone that tries to act like they got this thing together is a liar. Amen. Like there's no one out there that has mm-hmm. figured this out Amen. completely. Mm-hmm. There are those that want to be perceived that way. Yeah. But there's freedom in going, I don't have it figured out. Yes. I don't know all the answers, but I know Jesus. Yep. And I'm, I want to walk closer and closer to him. That's good. That's and good. get in the word. Yeah, come you, on. you get that that lens and that clarification. That's right. That he, you get that reminder by getting in the word. He mm-hmm. pours into you him because we're looking at him and reading of him. I mean, when our cup is empty, read him and he will fill it up. And That's so good. finding a Bible study or a commentary that is biblically sound, doctrinally mm-hmm. sound, yeah. because I mean, there are things in here that I read and I'm like, I don't even know. And I try to study like <laughs> yeah. all those little tools. And sometimes I need some help. Of, For sure. Ooh, the Greek. I mean, that little cool trick earlier, that wasn't all me. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love to, I'd love to take credit that I, I know some Greek in there, but, but that, beautiful nugget that I can carry in my heart now. And that mm-hmm. thing that I know was because some, you know, it was, it was yeah. poured into me. That's good. So if I can give a plug, hmm. I, love, I know y'all are both give very nervous right now. No, I love that. No, there's a verse by verse ministry and they literally go through books of the Bible verse by verse and he breaks it down and explains and shows you who God is hmm. And everything that relates and changed my walk. I've grown more in two years than I did in the decades that I've been saved. Wow. When you have, when you're studying it, not just reading it, and whether it's getting discipled and and going through books of the Bible with other believers, commentaries, all of that, because you're never going to be done. Mm -mm. So grow and know and just be shown who God is because he yeah. gave it to us. What are we going to do with this sitting on a shelf? <laughs> collecting What's dust. What's that resource? Verse by verse ministry. Okay, perfect. I, I promise. Now listen, I'm down I for promise. it. Sex of Jesus. That's good. That's and good. Um, yes, get in the word, get around biblically sound teaching, and do it in community. Yep. In community. Do it in community. Yep. Like Patricia's talking about the last two years of your life. Like I... I've had somebody walking alongside me in close discipleship who is older and further along than me. Um, and Renee has been one of God's greatest gifts to me outside of himself and the word, right? But she has taught me how to read the word. And week after week after week, she is unafraid to expose the worst of me and to always point me back to the person of Jesus Christ. And that's why discipleship matters and that's why we can't do it alone because I will always convince myself that I'm better than I really am Mm. Mm -hmm. but having those people that we can trust that can speak into us and help walk us through that sanctification and then turn around and do it for somebody else like like the girls I get to walk with in close discipleship they are sharpening and refining and challenging me deeply And I also get exposed in that discipleship. And that's just it, is we've never arrived. 
Amen. And we we're never finished with it. This is right. an ongoing process, but it is the greatest gift of the Christian walk is doing this together, working right. out sanctification and allowing the spirit to change us and to leave different. So listener would encourage you seek the Lord for, for discipleship, ask him who, who could pour into you and also ask him who he would have you to turn around and disciple. Because if we're not in both of those camps, then we're missing something here. Mm-hmm. So we just encourage you seek the Lord for that. It's his heart and take some time, reflect value appreciate your own salvation and our hope is that you have a story to tell because you have relationship with jesus christ himself and so listener we're so thankful for you guys we're so thankful for established and just these conversations that continue to deepen deepen our understanding and our appreciation of of the bible the way it was intended to be read, understood, and appreciated. So until next time, get low, move slow, and fix your eyes on Jesus. We love you guys. Mm